we, we, we carry on carrying on with our series on abiding and, and activation. Okay, um, there it is. Um, when, when I first um, read John 15 and I just felt the Lord leading us into this season of abiding and then, and then you know, asking him for more and ask him for activation. Um, there were two parts of that scripture. You know, this John 15 is incredible. The promise is incredible. But there are two parts of that that are, that are a little bit painful. And, and the first was the one I spoke on last week, um, which is surrender. Um, that, that one worried me. Um, and no doubt we're going to come back to it in some form. Um, and the other one that, that worried me was obedience. Um, but the more that I have uh, read the scripture, the more that I've prayed and asked the Lord what he wants me to say tonight. Um, last week I did, I did, no, I did wrestle, I struggled with it. Um, but this, with this topic of obedience, it's actually been, it's been really joyful, which wasn't what I expected at all. Um, and yeah, sermons are funny things, aren't they? Because you know you, you do a topic, and of course you could you could speak for a week, and still not go through all of Scripture, and go through all the thoughts of the Lord over a subject. Um, and I so I'm going to come back to this with a bit more Scripture, um, probably in two weeks or three weeks, depending um, where the Lord leads us. Um, tonight I'm really just sticking in John 15 and a little bit of John 14. Well, we're just we're just going to. Stay with that command of Jesus. And I'm just going to say what I think uh, he wants us to hear tonight. Um, and like I said last week, you know, my words might be helpful, but nothing, I don't, I don't believe anything I can say tonight is going to convince you. The Holy Spirit is the one that will shift your thinking and shift your heart. Um, so that's my prayer. Holy Spirit, that you will, that you will move and rewire us where we've misunderstood obedience. Let us see it as you see it. So I think um, just, you know, it's obedience to start off on a light note. You know, my, you know you're always told to start with a joke. Um, the first conversation I had that I remember having with my parents about obedience, because I was a remarkably well-behaved child. Um, were, yeah, we, were, we were reading in scripture um, <laughs> with the sacrifice of Isaac. And my dad, being a, a priest, I said to him, Dad, you wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't sacrifice me if God asked you to. And my dad said, Son, I am a son of God, and my first call is to obedience. And yes, I will sacrifice you if he tells me to. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, I got, I was a little scared of obedience. I was a little scared of my dad for a day or two as well. Um, I think he enjoyed the moment because there was a couple of, you know, a couple of hours later, he came to me and said, son, you know, God doesn't actually do that. You got to, you know, remember the end of the story where he sends, he sends the ram to be the sacrifice, you know, and, you know, and he explained why that story was in, in scripture in Jesus. And, but um, yeah, my, my first uh, reaction was not positive. Um, and uh, it scared me just, just a wee bit. Um, so, as I was, I was thinking and chatting to Kath and um, 
uh, my wife, thinking just briefly about this, about you know, the kinds of Christians that we might be as we think about obedience. Um, and again, this might be one of those Sundays where I'm just preaching to myself. You guys might all be doing really well with obedience, but we'll see. Um, so the, the first one, this kind of first, the first Christian is the one that says, no. No, I'm not going to obey. I believe in you, Jesus. You're, you're my God, but no. I've got too many things I want to do, too many things I'm good at, too many things I enjoy. And obviously, that would be the rebellious Christian. Uh, I'm not going into this little detail. I'm just kind of throwing them out. Maybe, maybe we'll see ourselves in some of these. I think I see myself in all of them at different stages of my life. Um, some of us might not say this out loud, but we might think about it and say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty obedient. I'm doing really well. And that would be the Christian Pharisee. And then there's some, you know, of us that will say, you know, I'm just a terrible person. I try, and I try, but I always fail. And some of us walk around with shame, and we have the shameful Christian. And some of us might say, I wish I could. Some of us, you know, we desire to be obedient, but we say, you know, the sin is too strong. You know, lust is too strong, or, you know, gluttony is too strong, or something's too strong. I try, and I try, and I try, but I fail. I try and I try and I try. <clears throat> My flesh keeps fighting me. So we can be shameful, or we could be the given up Christian. The sin is too strong. Or we could just be, and maybe this is one that characterizes me the most, is like, I'm trying. It's like, okay, Tyler, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good Christian and I'm tired. It's wearing, but I want to be good and I want to honor Jesus and I want to obey him. And like I said, I think I found myself in, in one of those positions, different stages of my life, maybe multiple ones. Let's listen to what Jesus said again in John 15. I'm going to read a few verses from, from nine, from verse nine. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man, sorry, has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Such amazing scripture. I'm going to keep reading it for a couple of weeks or months. But, you know, I've, I've been avoiding that one line 
up to now, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It's pretty straightforward. He does then go on to talk about the commandment, which is to love. But he doesn't qualify it with the single in the first instance. It's the plural, my commandments, the full breadth of what I've taught you. And so, as we think about abiding, we just, you know, we can't escape this fact that it requires obedience. So it's right there in the middle. It's right there in the middle. It requires obedience. And so, if we are one of those five Christians in the beginning, we're going to be in trouble if we think we can be one of those and abide. Because none of those are going to lead to abiding. Those are only going to lead to frustration. And so, we... We face with this reality as Christians that your grace is sufficient for salvation. Jesus said, I've made you clean. He says earlier in John 15, I've made you clean and you are bound to me. You know, you abide in me. Grace is sufficient. But Jesus then says, obey. There is, a, there is something that we have to do. And, and I don't know about you, but the... Um, The first thing that I tend to do is, is to revert back to trying to be perfect. I'm that, uh, you know, I'm that striving one. I can follow the law. I can get this right. I can make Jesus proud. I can, I can remain in him. I can keep abiding. And as I think these thoughts, and maybe you think these as well, you notice how I is at the middle of that whole conversation. Whole conversation centers on me. And when Jesus said, when Jesus asked us to abide in him, when he asked us to surrender, when he asked us to sacrifice himself, ourselves, he places himself at the center of that conversation. And so I said to Tyler before the service, I'm probably going to say two or three things, and I might just repeat them five times in the hope that we actually get them. Okay? But in the same way that in the past I have talked about surrendering, that we surrender to love, and I've talked about sacrifice, and that was a sacrifice to love. So the same thing holds for obedience, that we are obedient, and that obedience flows out of love. The obedience flows out of the abiding that we are already in. It doesn't, the abiding doesn't flow from the obedience. Okay? The abiding has to come first. And remember, Jesus says it does come first. We are made clean by him. We abide, then we obey. He doesn't ask us to be obedient alone. Because Jesus loves us, guys. He loves us so deeply. And, I, and I, I, he loves us with an eternal love. He loves us with a love that we'll never fathom. And I know that as I say that, we all agree, yes. Um, but we have, to, we have to obviously experience that love. We have to know that love. Because then obedience becomes so much easier. It becomes so much easier. Because my first instinct when, um, well, let me say this. <laughs> when, Jesus, when Jesus talks about abiding and obeying commands, he sets himself as the model, doesn't he? Abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He sets himself as the model. 
And so like, we've got two choices, or maybe three choices. We can try to do it on our own, try to fulfill the law, which makes a mockery of the whole gospel. It seems a bit pointless. Okay. We place ourselves at the center. And we do, and we, we wrestle. We meet Jesus, we come away from Jesus. We meet Jesus, we come away from Jesus. Or we place Jesus at the center. Because the thing with Jesus, um, if he's our model, like how do we view Jesus' relationship with the Father? Now he says, like, everything I do, I do because the Father tells me to do it. Everything I say, the Father's told me to say. He has this incredible intimacy. His level of abiding is profound. But that's the very level of abiding that he tells us to step into. And that's either way beyond anything we can imagine, so we give up, or we start to think, hey, maybe Jesus is telling the truth. Maybe the very relationship he had with the Father is the relationship that he is asking us to have with him. And that is incredible. But you know, what I, what I don't see in the scripture is Jesus saying, obey my commandments as I've obeyed the Father. And then turning around and chuckling to himself, saying, you bunch of suckers. I'm perfect. I've known the Father since the beginning of time. You've got no chance. Good luck with that one for the next 2,000 years. That's not in here, is it? That's not the heart of Jesus. And he's offering us, he's offering us this relationship with him, this abiding with him, like he has with the Father, and it's astounding. It's astounding. There may be some of us that... Um, That we, try, we know we get this right part of the time, most of the time. And we try and we try and we try and be obedient. And our lives are good, but we fail. And then at, at that moment of failure, and it might happen every week, it might happen every three months, it might happen once a year. You know, of course, we all sin more than once a year. But there might be that sin that you're really wrestling with, and you're like, if I get this right, I abide. And if I fail, I don't abide. And of course, the moment that we fail, we say, you know, I haven't been obedient. I'm not abiding in Jesus. And that hopelessness starts to set in. And again, it's about us. Again, it's about us. Some of us might be, um, <laughs> well, let me say this. When, we, when, we, when we're wrestling with obedience, the thing we most often wrestle with is our flesh. Okay, it's our desires, the things that we want to do. It's our will. It's our control. It's living life the way that we want to. And always <laughs> with this wonderful lie that we can somehow make life better than Jesus can. But we can also be religious about this. Okay? And, our, and our flesh can be cunning <laughs> because our flesh can, can use scripture too. All right, one of my favorite ones, and it's because it's amazing scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can beat this sin. I can beat this thing. I can obey through Christ who strengthens me. And we make the focus again, I. And we forget the through Christ part. Like that, that part is, that is abiding. Through Christ, in Christ, with Christ. I can do all things. But we better remember that the through Christ comes first. The through Jesus comes first. 
I've been trying to um, you know, it, just think through ways of, of, of illustrating this. And, um, and, and I guess my, my natural inclination as someone growing up in the church and, and, and struggling with obedience is that you know, G- Jesus, you know, he's out, he's there. And, and there's all these things that I have to do. And whatever works for you. There might be walls that you have to jump over or hoops you have to jump through. But these things that I have to do in order to get to him. And that's how I've understood obedience. I've got, to, I've got to clear out the rubbish in order to get to him, in order to meet him. And that's such a misstatement and a misunderstanding of the gospel. Because, of course, Jesus gives us full access through his sacrifice. And so rather than seeing obedience as me trying to meet all these laws, all these requirements, climbing over all these walls, jumping through all these hoops, I can see myself with Jesus. And then obedience just becomes about staying with him. And why wouldn't I want that? (laughs) If I actually know him, why wouldn't I want that? If I'm with him, why wouldn't I want that? Obedience doesn't get us to Jesus. Obedience must just flow from being with him. Obedience should just be a response, a passionate response to the love that he's shown us. I know I'm repeating the same concept over and over again, but I want us to get this. If possible, some of us might need our brains rewired that after all, this thing we call the gospel and this relationship that we have with Jesus isn't actually about us. It's first about him. And I think, you know, I think we see this when God said through Jeremiah that I will write my law on their hearts. The law becomes internal. Not that we'll be perfect law followers, but the law, the knowledge of God will be written on our hearts through relationship with Jesus. This is what the Father was pointing us to. I want to read a little bit of John 14. And I don't have too much more to say. And then we're going to spend some time praying. This is what Jesus says in John 14. And again, I want you to listen to these as if Jesus is telling the truth. Okay. And I don't mean that cynically because these are some of the most powerful words in Scripture. And I don't think we actually believe them. Okay. So let's, let's believe him. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. He who has my commandments and keeps him, it is he who loves me. And he, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I love that last line. It's like it's not enough that this is Jesus saying it. He just adds in at the end, and just so you know, this is the Father's idea. There's no greater authority. There's no greater power 
There's nothing greater that he, I could say to you to assure you that this is true. But this is the Father's word over you. And so as we wonder about obedience and, and we wonder about, well, it's all very well to say, if I can meet you, Jesus, if I can experience your love, Jesus, then obedience becomes simple. But how do I do that? And the thing is, Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Because it's the Spirit of God that leads us into abiding, that leads us into obedience, that deepens our relationship with Jesus. Again, it doesn't start with us. We are made clean. The Father grafts us into the vine. Jesus then gives us the Holy Spirit, the helper. Then, after those three things have happened, he asks us to be obedient. Okay, that fourth thing doesn't come first. And if you've been living like it comes first, then you need to stop. Okay? You just need to cut it out. And do the first three. So, um, I didn't want to preach a long time tonight, and I, mean, I could preach longer, and I could do another sermon on how we do this in more detail. And I will come back to that, okay? Because I know we want hows. Right? Jesus is pretty simple. His, his command, he says for the Holy Spirit, ask. That's the full extent of what Jesus says to us. Ask, and I will give you the Spirit. It's really quite straightforward, okay? Um, it's not complicated. Um, but I do, I do want to say one how. I'm going to do more things um, in a few weeks. But I want to say one thing. Um, part of this rewiring of our minds as well. First we put Jesus first. <laughs> we put the grafting first, the abiding first. Okay. But the other thing I want us to do, if you sin, I want you to stop seeing it as failure. I want you to stop seeing it as a sign of your hopelessness. Okay, or your lack of perfection. But I, I want you to take that sin and I want you to give it to Jesus and I want you to ask him to nail it to the cross. Okay, tell him to nail it to the cross and ask him to keep it there. Okay, and then instead of hopelessness and instead of pity, instead of all of these other fleshly things and things of the religious spirit, the condemnation that we might feel, I want you to turn to that thing and I want you to, I'm going to say this carefully, I want you to celebrate it, okay? Listen to me carefully. <laughs> I want you to celebrate it as, a, as an opportunity for something more to, to surrender to him. Okay? I want you to look at it and just say, all right, I see you. I see you. You know what? I don't want you. I'm going to surrender you to Jesus and then spend time with the Lord spend time with him ask him Lord why is this in me why do I, why do I keep doing this thing I don't want it what's the root of what's going on here and if you're not used to hearing God's voice if you're not used to that sort of thing then find someone who is there's always people at the front here and this room is littered with people who love praying and let the Lord speak and then when he tells you, celebrate that. Like, yeah, you can kill this thing now. You can surrender this part. And you know, the more you surrender, as I said last week, the more we sacrifice, the more we surrender, the more space there is for God to flow in 
and to experience more of him. So instead of letting your failures, my failures, drive me from Jesus, let's start focusing on them (laughs) and surrendering them and getting a little bit more free and getting a little bit of revenge on the flesh and on the devil and on the world and just give a little bit more of ourselves to Jesus. That's what I've been trying to do. It's a much nicer way to live. You know? It's amazing that joy is better than shame. And peace is better than hopelessness. You know? Because if you can find a scripture where Jesus said, I came, that you would be dull, and you would have darkness, and you would be hopeless, please show it to me. But he didn't, did he? He came that we would have life, and life abundant. So, would you guys pray with me? And then the worship team is going to lead us in a final song, but also Amanda might have something to say as well. Okay. So let's pray, um, and see if the Lord wants to do anything else. So this is, this is between you and God. I can tell you with absolute certainty and absolute conviction that God loves you. And I can tell you without, a, <laughs> without an ounce of doubt that he wants you to know him better that he wants to make his home in you, that he wants to do life with you. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So we're just going to pray, and I I want you to make yourself available maybe you're not used to listening to God's voice maybe you are but all I'd ask is just make yourself available to hear his voice and maybe you'll hear a word maybe you'll get a picture maybe you'll get a scripture will come to mind maybe a part of your life a sin pattern or a lie that you're believing something like that will, will come to mind if it does Grab hold of it. Surrender it to him. But let's just give Jesus a chance to be here and to talk to us. Lord Jesus, you asked us to obey your commandments. The Lord, you did that after saying that we would abide in you. That our Father has has grafted us like branches into the vine of your presence, of your victory. So Jesus, we don't say that we want to abide, we declare that we do abide, because that is your promise. That is what your word tells us. Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would come and just speak to us. You know what 
The hearts of your children need to hear, Lord. Lord, if any of us are living in shame or hopelessness, please, Lord, speak. Speak your peace and your love. Some of us have spent years trying to obey the law and trying to be good. And you love our hearts and you love our intentions. But Lord, if we think that it's those works that get us to you, rewire our minds. Give us a revelation of being obedient from love, from knowing you, from being grafted into you. Come, Holy Spirit, speak.